Hello out there, all you people in the big wide world. My name is Shane. As you know, I am the host of Shane B-Sides, a music talk show uh, where primarily I talk about new album releases and from time to time I also pick a different artist or band and rank all of their studio albums. Um, got a pretty big one coming up next week. I'm going to be doing Tom Petty uh, as well as his work with the Heartbreakers. Not going to be doing Mud Crutch. I just am going to be focusing on anything with Tom Petty's name on it specifically. Um, pretty excited for that. I pretty much have that episode all written out. Uh, it's taken quite a while because... Um, I'm reviewing 16 albums. Of course, you know, the ones at the bottom I'm not going to be going into huge detail on, but as the list goes on, uh, when I get up to my favorites, I'm going to be talking about them from, you know, song by song. And uh, I've discovered a lot of hidden gems. I was already a pretty big Tom Petty fan, and uh, I'm pretty excited to share this episode. Um, it's my favorite one that I've written so far. Um, yeah, like I said, I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, life has been really chaotic for the past month. Um, this has probably been my least busy month as far as this podcast goes, uh, since I started it. Um, and that's just because work has been really hectic. I've been picking up shifts and just haven't had a lot of energy, but I'm hoping to keep up a consistent schedule, uh, from here on out, which... I have said that before, but, uh, you know, things happen, and I, I do have to prioritize certain things over this, which is still kind of a hobby for me. Um, but I'm happy to be back, and today, of course, I'm going to be talking about uh, May. And I don't know if it's because it was such a hectic, chaotic month, and it feels like... I don't know, May has been maybe the weakest month of the year so far. I mean, there have been some really solid albums that have come out this month, but I don't know. I remember being more enthusiastic about the first four months, um, but I, at the same time on paper, like when I look at what actually came out this month, there are quite a few things that I really enjoy. So I don't know. I, I, I think ultimately it probably does just uh, go back to my mindset and how much I've had uh, going on, like I said. Um, I'm going to talk about everything I listen to that's not my five picks first. Of course, uh, first we have Arcade Fire's new album, We, um, which kind of, I don't know, it's got some good stuff on it, but it kind of feels like a continuation of uh, what they were doing with everything now, and I don't know, it's just, it's not really hitting me like, you know, obviously Funeral, uh, Not To Be That Person, and Neon Bible in the suburbs, and hey, I mean, a lot of people uh, shit on Reflector, but I, I like Reflector, I, I think it's a pretty solid album, um... I don't know, and, and everything now I didn't think was as bad as people were making it out to be, and even this is getting some pretty harsh reviews too, and I, I don't think it's terrible or anything, but it just, uh, I don't know, they, they've kind of lost their spark for me. I, I don't think they're, like, incapable of writing anything else that's, you know, as good as their early stuff, but it just doesn't feel like they're in that same universe anymore, unfortunately. Um... 
But I don't know. That being said, there's nothing like terrible or offensive on it. I, I have it at a three out of five, which means that I just kind of enjoy it. I, th I think it's I think it's fine, but probably won't go back to it. Uh, then, of course, we have Bell and Sebastian with a bit of previous. Um, and I'm, I'm not a huge Bell and Sebastian fan. I, I like some of their stuff from the 90s, like, uh, what's that album called? I, I'm, I'm fucking stupid. I'm blanking on it. Um, it's got If You're Feeling Sinister. I think that's the album title. Um, I, don't, I don't know why I'm blanking on this now, because... That's like the one I've heard aside from this. It's got like a red album cover. Anyway, I'm stupid. Just ignore that. Um, really like some songs off of that. And uh, also The Boy with the Arab Strap, which I know is from a different album. And this kind of feels like what I already knew from them. But of course, it's much later. Now we're in 2022. So it does feel like, obviously, they've aged because they have. And uh, the musical palette feels a little bit different. There's a lot more horns than I remember there being on some of that early stuff. And uh, I don't know, it's just kind of friendly indie pop stuff. And I think it's pretty fun overall, but I don't know how much I would go back to it. I've also got this at a three out of five. Uh, then we've got Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever with Endless Room. A um, little bit more of a positive score for this one. I've got it at a 3.5 out of 5. Um, you know, I'm not too huge on it, but it, it is like a good like barbecue, kind of just throw it on indie rock album with some kind of post-punk influence as well. I um, want to give it a diff uh, another chance later in the year, but as of right now, um, it's just in that category of... Uh, I do like it, but uh, I'm not like head over heels for it either. Uh, so yeah, I've got it at a 3.5. Then we've got Sunflower Beam with Head Full of Sugar. Uh, feels like they were going in more of an electronic direction with this one than uh, the last thing I listened to of theirs, which I think was like the King of the Dudes EP, uh, which I really liked that EP. That, that was more of a rock album and Obviously, I'm not against a rock band trying out an electronic thing, but in this case, I just wasn't too crazy about it. Um, I've got this one at a 2.5 out of 5. Uh, then we have Kendrick Lamar with Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, which I do have at a 4 out of 5, which means it, it's solid. I do think it is a really good album, but I don't know. I, I need to spend a lot more time with it, even though it's been out for, what, like three weeks now, I feel like there's still, I feel like not enough time has passed for me to fully absorb everything that's going on on this album, because it is really long, and I love some songs on it, uh, like We Cry Together in, in 95, and uh, Savior, uh, but I don't know, I just, I didn't feel like I was ready to do a full-on review of it, it just didn't feel like it was the right time, so... Um, for now, I'm just going to give it a 4 out of 5, and maybe that could go up to a 4.5 at some point. I honestly don't know if I see it being a 5, just because there's so much going on, and there are a few parts that, you know, as of right now, I'm not that crazy about, but, you know, I, I respect it for what it is, and uh, of course, anybody who gives it a really positive score, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with that, but yeah. I've got it at a 4 out of 5, which is still, you know, a solid score for me. Uh, then we have Radiate Like This from Warpaint, which 
honestly just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of came on and went in one ear and out the other, but I, I did kind of like it. It was just kind of like a dream pop album. Um, you know, it didn't blow my socks off or anything, but I've got that one out of three out of five. Then we've got The Smile with A Light for Attracting Attention, which, you know, a lot of people were joking about how this is essentially just another Radiohead album, um, even though it's only got two of the members. Uh, of course, Tom York and Johnny Greenwood, and then you've got uh, Tom Skinner uh, is the other member who's not in Radiohead. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it just sounds like good, just solid Radiohead-adjacent stuff. Um Really like Skirting on the Surface. Uh, definitely go check that track out. Right now, I've got this one also sitting at a 4 out of 5. Uh, very light 4 out of 5. Like I, It's solid, um, but I don't know if I really see it going above that score, at least for right now. Uh, then we've got Sharon Van Etten with We've Been Going About This All Wrong. And this is another kind of light 4 out of 5 for me. Um, I want to like Sharon Van Etten more, and I, I really like wanted to like this album a little bit more that being said of course four is still a really positive score for me um but initially I wanted to be like okay this is gonna be like my next 4.5 or my next five because so many people were hyping it up and I do like it I I like you know I feel like this is a better instance of her dabbling into more uh, of an electronic sound than the Sunflower Beam album for example course not saying they were going for exactly the same thing but they feel like they're in the same world um I do really enjoy it um I kind of would prefer you know more of that sound that we get with songs like uh of course like I used to as a smash hit in the indie community last year and then uh uh one of my favorite or my other favorite song of hers is uh every time the sun comes up which is way older. I think that came out in like 2014. Um, I'm kind of used to that sound from her and I do technically kind of prefer that, but I, I do really like what she tried out here. And, uh, like I said, four out of five, uh, then we've got the Zug by Eve Jarvis or Eve's Eve's Jarvis. Not sure how you say that, uh, which is a pretty cool little slice of, uh, like psychedelic acoustic folk pop. I'm not really sure what to call it exactly. Um, it all kind of blended together for me, but I also did enjoy what he was doing on the album. It doesn't really sound like anything else I've ever heard. Um, you know, it's kind of in the middle for me between like three and 3.5. Uh, I'm not really sure, uh, which one to settle on, but I, I guess I'll say a 3.5 for now. Um, kind of want to go back to it at some point. Uh, then we've got the Black Keys with Dropout Boogie, which is, you know, it's a Black Keys record. Uh, it's it's going to be pretty good. Uh, you know, it didn't blow my socks off or anything, but it's got some really good songs on it. I feel like they dabble into the soul sound a little bit more with this one. Um, of course, you know, I haven't been keeping up with their newer stuff as much as, you know, the classics like, uh, Brothers and, uh, Magic Potion and, you know, any of that 2000s stuff, but, um, I do try to listen to every new album as it comes out at least once, and, uh, my first impression of this is that, like, it's, it's good, it's solid, it's kind of a step in, like, a better direction from last year's album, 
which I felt a little bit more negatively on. Uh, didn't dislike it, but, uh, you know, it wasn't as uh, into it as this one. Um, I've got this one out of 3.5. Could maybe be a 4 at some point. Um, also, shout out to them using a Captain Beefheart song as their uh, album title. I think that's really cool. Uh, huge Captain Beefheart fan. Uh, then we've got Dance Fever by Florence and the Machine, uh, which, you know, it's a Florence and the Machine album called Dance Fever. It, it sounds exactly, if you know who Florence and the Machine is, it sounds exactly what an album called Dance Fever, uh, you exactly what you would think that would sound like. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think it's a fine record. Uh, it's not really my bag, um, but I appreciate it for what it is. I've got it at a three out of five. Then we've got Monophonics with Sage Motel, uh, which I thought was kind of kind of reminded me of Duran Jones and the Indications with the throwback soul kind of vibes, but uh, maybe leaning more into the psychedelic thing than Duran Jones gets into. Um, thought it was pretty cool. Uh, don't like it as much as Duran Jones, um, but I appreciate them trying something a little different uh, with their sound. I've got it at a 3.5. Uh, some pretty cool stuff on it. Uh, then we've got Jordana with Face the Wall. Um, I know uh, this artist's name from, I guess, her collaborations with TV Girl. And I haven't listened to that album they did together. But this is kind of what I was uh, expecting. Just some uh, kind of breezy, solid indie pop stuff. Um, do like it a good bit. Uh, it's kind of sitting in between a 3 and a 3.5. Uh, then we have Soak with If I Never Knew You Like This Again, or If I Never Know You Like This Again, um, which actually started off pretty strong. The first few songs, I was like, okay, like this might be one of my picks for the month. Um, but by the end, I get kind of worn out by it. Um, it definitely loses me in the second half, um, you know, just on first impressions. But I do think the first half is pretty solid. It kind of reminds me of like... Big Thief if they were a little more, I guess, emo sounding. Um, and overall, I, I've got this one at a three out of five. Um, like I said, uh, really solid first few songs and then just not really interested in the second half. Um, so it's, it's right down the middle for me. Uh, then we've got Harry Styles with Harry's House, which I have at a 3.5. Um, honestly, my expectations for this album were extremely low, um, just because I've had this weird bias against Harry Styles' music, I guess because I've been getting kind of sick of hearing him on the radio so much. Um, but you know, when I actually listened to this album, I thought the kind of funky throwback pop songs on it were actually really well written and, uh, pretty fun. I, I do really like As It Was, and music for a sushi restaurant, even though the lyrics are kind of goofy. Um, I'm not as big on the ballads, except for Matilda is pretty nice. Um, I, I, like I said, I, I like this one a lot more than I expected to. And uh, For now, I've got this one at like a light 3.5, because I, I do think the more poppy stuff, like I said, is pretty good. Um, liked it a lot more than I expected to. Of course, you know, that sort of positive rating might be based off of just my expectations being so low that obviously it surpassed that by miles. So, you know, kind of want to revisit it at some point and see, um, you know, 
how it goes down with, you know, more of a positive outlook going in. Uh, and then last, before we get into the picks, we have Wilco's new album, Cruel Country. And I really can't say anything bad about this album. It's just really long. It's over 20 songs. It's an hour and 20-some minutes, I believe. And, you know, it kind of sounded like I expected a Wilco album uh, for 2022 to sound like. Um, just kind of doing what they do best. Uh, I really like it when they lean into the country sound, especially. I'm not as into the jammy side of things, but I, I do appreciate it. Um, but when it's good, it's really good. Um, you could shave like a, you could shave this album down to like a 4.5 out of 5 if you really wanted to. But I respect them for wanting to make something really long and ambitious. And, uh, you know, for right now, I've got this one sitting at a 3.5 out of 5. Uh, been wanting to go back and revisit some of the uh, older Wilco stuff because of this. So probably going to work on that in the next month or so. All right now, so let's get started with my picks. The first one uh, came my way because of Hannah, actually. So uh, shout out to the lovely Hannah. My first pick is going to be uh, the debut album from Suki Waterhouse. Uh, it's called I Can't Let Go. Um, and uh, really appreciate Hannah uh, for showing this to me. Um, it's a really refreshing blend of old school pop and R&B sensibilities with uh, this glamorous old Hollywood aesthetic that, you know, kind of reminds me of artists like Lana Del Rey and maybe a little bit of Amy Winehouse. Uh, not a whole lot, though. Um, and there's also some uh, elements of Mazzy Star um, that are on this album, too. Um, when the specific songs that remind me of them show up, I'll definitely point them out. Uh, the first song we have is Moves, which is a really wonderful album opener, um, a really triumphant, soulful love song that almost feels like a modern take on Nobody Does It Better. Uh, her vocals are powerful and right up front in the mix, and you feel every single word that she says. The chorus is explosive, and there's so much power in her voice when she sings it. Um, the production is absolutely perfect. I love how old school and slick the drums, guitar, and piano feel all together. Um, overall, this is one of the best songs of the year, hands down. Uh, easily my favorite on here. Um, but, you know, it, it still stays really good after this. Just because the best song is first doesn't mean that everything is just downhill. Uh, yeah. Uh, Devil I Know has this really cool brooding instrumental with this guitar, piano, and drums. Uh, the coolest part of the song is the final part where that dark, almost gothic sounding electric guitar comes in and you have these lyrics about a relationship where she alludes to a lot of religious imagery, turning water into wine, wearing your Sunday best, etc. Uh, Melrose Meltdown switches between these really quiet, somber verses with strings that definitely warrant a bit of a Lana comparison, even down to how she sings certain words. And then the chorus brings in these really dramatic, slow drums. Uh, the whole vibe feels really elegant, like being in this gigantic ballroom with a huge chandelier. Um, I just love how cinematic this one is in particular. Uh, continuing the looming breakup narrative, uh, Put Me Through It is another really delightful track with a pretty similar musical palette. 
this really bright piano sound in the chorus, uh, the lyrics about the complicated realities of a relationship, uh, you know, having a great time, but also going through hard times. And at the end, she said she would do it all over again. Uh, my mind has a really great electric guitar sound with tons and tons of reverb stacked on top. As it goes on, when the acoustic guitar and the tambourine are audible in the background, it does start to sound like a Mazzy Star song, uh, like I was saying before. Um, but the best part of the song is easily the second half, where she's basically belting out. Um, you know, obviously, gotta mention again, she's got a wonderful voice, so when she does belt, you, you definitely feel it in your soul. Um, Bullshit on the Internet is a very modern song uh, about all the negative ways the media, the internet, and overall fame can affect a relationship. It's not one of my favorites on here. I did think it was a bit of a weird single, but, you know, I, I still think it's fine for what it is. And, of course, you know, her vocal performance is really solid, like I was just saying. Wild Side takes a bit of a country turn between the acoustic guitars that ride along like a cruising car and the electric, gu uh, electric guitar behind it painting this really western vibe. I love that little pedal steel that pops into the chorus as well. You know me, I'm a fool for pedal steel. Uh, and that vibe kind of carries its way on, into uh, On Your Thumb, uh, easily one of my other favorites on the record. It sounds like it belongs in a great indie flick. The circulating acoustic guitar chords, the splash of drowned out electric guitar that illuminate the imagery of the song, the harmonies on the chorus, it just overall gives me this hypnotized feeling that I can only compare to what I feel when I listen to, again, Mazzy Star, Fade Into You. Um, there's a bit of a ghostly vibe on Slip, thanks to the reverb piano and guitar, uh, Suki singing in a breathy higher voice, which is a cool change of pace. She's got a great voice either way, but I would kind of like to hear her sing like this a little more on whatever she does next. Um, and then we have Blessed, which is uh, another really cinematic moment that finishes off the record. It's a really satisfying ending to the loose story of the album uh, you know, amidst all of the heartbreak and confusion, she seems to find her footing in the lyrics and be thankful for what she's got. Uh, there are these soft jazz-style drums and this pretty piano for most of the song, and at the end there's this really cathartic electric guitar kind of solo. Um, it's not really a solo, it's just a lot of noise and kind of feedback, I guess, but it just sounds really awesome. Um, it really works for the song. Um, overall, I've got this record at a light 4.5 out of 5. Um, this is an artist to watch for sure. Like I said, definitely check out Moves if you haven't already. Uh, it's such a killer single, and if you like that song, definitely seek out the rest of the album, because uh, I, I really enjoyed this one. And again, shout out to Hannah. I love you, Hannah. Next up, I gotta shout out Tops. They're back with a new EP, and I know, yep, it's an EP, but I've got to talk about it because, you know, I've given a spotlight to other EPs like Etta Marcus in January and the Ginger Root EP last August, which was actually my first episode. Um, if you don't know who Tops is, um, they're a band that I've never mentioned on the show before, but 
I think they're absolutely phenomenal. Uh, their last full-length album, I Feel Alive, was a very close second favorite album of 2020. And, um, excuse me, even though we're only two years into the 20s, I would no doubt have to place it as one of the best of the decade already. I really loved that album. Um, you know, if I didn't love uh, the Cutworms album from that year as much as I do, uh, I Feel Alive definitely would have been my number one for the year. Um, but, you know, again, just, just one of the best albums of the decade. Please go listen to that if you haven't. Um, and this EP just keeps up that quality. Um, their production somehow keeps getting better and better, sounding so pristine. They've always had a bit of a groovy 80s-influenced sound, but since 2020, it seems like they've really been leaning into the sound that's really sophisticated. Think like uh, Tango in the Night era Fleetwood Mac, Prefab Sprout, Style Council, things like that. Um, it just works perfectly for them. I was telling my friends in a group chat that... Um, their sound kind of makes you feel like you're in this lush, futuristic hotel with palm trees inside or something. It just sounds really rich and you know, just, like I said, futuristic. Um, getting into the tracks, Perfected Steps is insanely good. Uh, clocking in at almost seven minutes long, it rides the same groove for basically the whole song, but it doesn't wear out its welcome one bit. It doesn't feel like it's seven minutes long. Uh, because every instrument just sounds flawless. Uh, that slick keyboard, slick bass sound, the chorus or flanger heavy guitar playing those jazzy chords, and the perfect drums. Uh, not to mention Jane Penny's vocals are just outstanding. When she hits those high notes, it's enough to give you chills. And I love the backup vocal part on the chorus, uh, the one that's like, ain't nobody singing. Um, and then we have Janet Planet, which was, uh, you know, an easy pick for a single. It's uh, just more of what you got on I Feel Alive. Uh, just a groovy, chill little song with these really pretty uh, guitar arpeggios, a uh, funky bass line, and bright, flashy synths, with lyrics about wanting to just let loose and leave this planet of negativity and confusion, needing a good distraction from all of the chaos. They really know how to craft a chorus because uh, this is another flawless one. Um, it's one of the things that they do best, in my opinion. Uh, then we have uh, Waiting, which is a fantastic nostalgia anthem that has the same smooth, sophisticated vibe as the first two songs. But this time, I would say it's a little bit more driving, uh, a little more new wave influenced. Um, I know those bands and... Uh, you know, I know those bands I was pointing out before are, I guess, kind of new wave, but this feels more new wave in the sense of like Flock of Seagulls or something like that, I guess. Um, but yeah, love this song. I love how smooth the, the chorus goes down and how the electric guitar part doubles Jane's vocals. And uh, that guitar solo gets me swaying too. Um I had actually heard the first single from this EP, Party Again, a while back, and I had forgotten all about it until I listened to it again. Um, and I believe that song was also the namesake for uh, the tour that they recently embarked on. I wanted to see them a few months ago, but, you know, like I said, it's just been such a chaotic year. I haven't even seen a show since before COVID started. It's been so long. 
um, really wanted to go, but uh, I, I just couldn't because of uh, being so busy and uh, being overwhelmed. But someday I will see them because uh, I love them. Um, but yeah, getting back into this song, um, I'm not sure why, but to me, this song has a really dreamy, kind of wintry atmosphere. Um, maybe it's making me think of like Last Christmas because of that kind of driving synth and drum part. Um, either way, it's gorgeous. Uh, another perfect song on a perfect EP. Uh, and then we have the final track, which is Future Waits, which opens perfectly with this beautiful little electric guitar melody. In just two and a half minutes, the band proves their wonderful musical talent one more time. Um, I mean, every instrument on here sounds flawless. The drums hit just right. The bass is so groovy. The guitar and the synths, of course, rule. The vocals are flawless. And yeah, this, this EP is such an easy five out of five. It doesn't feel forced at all to say that. I'm really excited to hopefully uh, witness this band get huge. Um, they deserve, you know, they deserve a song to get on TikTok and, uh, you know, blast them into stardom um, because I, I just think they're so great and they write such catchy, just really beautiful little pop songs. And um, yeah, they're one of my favorite indie bands running right now. Um, definitely go check out Tops if you haven't already. Check out the CP. Check out the album I Feel Alive, and then uh, check out some of their older stuff too. But definitely check out their recent stuff because uh, I think it's just awesome. Next up, we got Kevin Morby with This Is a Photograph. Kevin Morby is an artist that I've spent the last few years getting into little by little, picking up a few new songs I like here and there. Uh, and eventually hearing the entirety of the album, Oh My God, back in 2019 and really enjoying it. And lately I've had a lot of nostalgia associated with 2019 for kind of personal reasons, which uh, funny enough ties into the main themes of the album, uh, looking back on family, friends, places you lived, all through the simple gaze of a photograph, uh, reflecting on everyone's mortality and even your own. This album in the press release was apparently inspired by Kevin's own personal experience, uh, having a scare with his father and then looking through an old box of photographs and, you know, that kind of planted the seeds for what we have on this album. After a short intro, the opening title track very clearly lays out this concept, uh, even referencing an exact photo of his father that he saw that affected him. Um, and then describing the old, different world around that photo, down to, you know, his mother, his siblings, and himself behind the camera. Uh, later describing a different photo of his mother, and it all comes back to the main refrain, this is what I'll miss about being alive. Underneath these lyrics, we have this really groovy, acoustic, rootsy rock instrumental with a thumping, danceable rhythm. Uh, my favorite part is when the drums go ballistic in the second half. A random act of kindness shows Kevin asking for exactly that. It feels like he's talking directly to the listener. I love the really dramatic Building 2000 style indie rock instrumental that you get on here. Starting with the organ and then adding in these epic crashing drums and this menacing electric guitar tone. I love how much power he can put into singing just three simple words over and over like lift me up and sun come up. 
Uh, we have Erin Ray featuring on Bittersweet Tennessee. She and Kevin both have these really fantastic rustic American voices that complement each other really well. And not only that, but we have really potently beautiful banjo and acoustic guitar and later a fiddle that is just goosebump inducing. If we're leaving the ages old spirit of Americana and folk with people like these talented musicians, then I think we're in good hands. This track and the chemistry between these two is just incredible. There's this really intimate electric guitar tone in the right channel of disappearing. It's like the cleanest and somehow most satisfying tone I've heard on a record in forever. Uh, and the production from Sam Cohen on here is just incredible. And that choir sound towards the end is just chillingly beautiful. The lyrics seem to refer to the dangers of withdrawing from others and withdrawing from nature itself, just staying inside too much. But there's also this fear of the person using nature to hurt themselves, which you know, kind of ties into the next song, which obviously I don't think this was a case of intentionally hurting themselves, but it's a case of, you know, nature taking someone's life, unfortunately. Um, it's A Coat of Butterflies, which is a really sprawling, beautifully textured tribute to the legend Jeff Buckley, uh, referencing his unfortunate drowning and a lot of the events that happened before his death, uh, like his immense stardom underneath the shadow of his own dad, Tim Buckley's stardom, uh, the album he never finished, his desire to settle down and buy a house and keep butterflies, uh, even his love for Led Zeppelin, something as simple as that. And uh, through this song, Kevin sympathizes with all of the uncertainty and pain he felt trying to find his place in the world. It's like he's contextualizing this unfortunate loss into his own pondering and meditations on life that are evident on the rest of this album. Musically, it floats along at a gentle pace with these really chill electric guitar chords and this almost like lo-fi hip-hop beats the study to sounding beat. Um, and there's this gorgeous classic Sufjan Stevens style choir who comes in and sings the most beautiful chorus, uh, and it goes, When I was young, love drunk, and dreaming, i dream of singing in some kingdom, and just like birds, my words would fly. As they take flight, then so would I. Um, then we have Rock Bottom, which is a really great musical change-up. This one has this gripping, fuzzy electric guitar sound and this odd, almost cartoonish percussion, um, and then these really entertaining, energetic backing vocals, and these almost demented laughing sounds that are added in uh, reference to the refrain, they're all going to laugh at you. Um, I really love the simple and kind of obvious but effective attention to detail on this song. And then we have Five Easy Pieces, which is a really gorgeous piano ballad with a bit of an Elton John feel. And, you know, it has these really big dramatic strings the lyrics alluding to the complicated nature of how, you know, not only the fact that relationships can be sweet and sour at the same time, but memories in general are also like that. Um, and we preserve the bad times with a photograph, just like the good times. And overall, it can be bittersweet looking back on that. Uh, and then we get a really intensely personal song with Stop Before I Cry, which is a uh, a track dedicated to Kevin's wife, Katie, a.k.a. Waxahachie, if you didn't know. 
um, meant to be a photograph itself of their relationship. It's a really moving, colorful, detailed, poetic, sweet love song with references to when they first met and all of the memories along the years from, you know, touring together to more private moments between the two of them. Uh, and the main line is Stop Before I Cry, which is in reference to how moved he feels by his wife's music. And I just think that's really sweet. I, I think it's a really beautiful love song. And um, it just kind of feels like, like I said, it feels like looking at this really intimate photograph of the two of them together. Uh, then we have It's Over, which is a pretty awesome, moody piano rocker with a great simple little do-do-do-do uh, that repeats after Kevin sings every chorus. Um, I like how after the verses feel so heavy and claustrophobic, um, every chorus feels like a breath of fresh air, even in spite of the melancholy reflective lyrics he's singing. Uh, and then the last song, Goodbye to Good Times, is a really wonderful and moving closer uh, with this really percussive, light, beachy acoustic guitar and eventually some pedal steel. Uh, Y'all know I love pedal steel. I talk about it like three times per episode. Um, and Kevin, uh, Kevin intertwines these really simple, relatable stories of uh, his parents idolizing musicians and actors and all kinds of different celebrities and you know, dancing to music just like young people do now and just like they always have. Um, and he's tying the loss of those memories together with, you know, even the deaths of some of the icons from the past like Otis Redding. And eventually at the end, he comes back to that main refrain from the first song. This is a photograph, a window to the past. And I think, you know, it's obvious, it's simple, but it ties this album together beautifully. And that's just one of the things I love about it. Um, this album feels so personal that, I don't know, it feels kind of strange to throw a rating on it, but right now I am going to go with a 4.5 because I really enjoyed this album. Um, I heard it once uh, pretty early on in the month and I did enjoy it a good bit, but the second listen and the third listen really revealed a lot to me, um, especially reading along to lyrics that time around. And uh, yeah, Really enjoyed this one. Um, going with a 4.5 out, uh, out of 5 for now. Coming up on your local forecast, we've got Blue Skies from Dead. Dead is a band that I believe I mentioned on a Discover Weekly episode a while back because uh, one of the songs from their first record, I believe, uh, Flower of Devotion, had shown up on my weekly mix, and I remember digging it, um, and now later on seeing their name on a list of new releases piqued my interest, and I also thought the album cover was kind of fascinating, uh, the red backdrop with the blue butterfly outline and the roses on the inside, um, and this is a pretty difficult genre to describe. I heard someone describe it as post-punk, and I guess the bass lines and some of the production elements give me that impression, but, you know, really most of all, I just get this straight-up indie rock vibe with some elements of surf rock, and you can also tell this band loves their oldies because you can hear the influence of, like, 50s and early 60s music all over this album. Um, you know, not on the first song in particular, though. Um, it starts off with this song, Control, 
which is a light breezy short track. Um, it's got this very 70s style keyboard and the vocals are really easy on the ears. Uh, Jason Bala sings on this one and he's got this perfect somber kind of subdued approach that really works. And uh, then he exercises the other side of his voice for Bad Love, which is uh, an absolutely kick-ass single, starting off with that simple uh, Phil Spector era, Hal Blaine type drum beat and drowned out guitar. And then the pace turns up to 10 and it gets this awesome groove that, I don't know, you could probably do one of those Charlie Brown dances to it. And uh, I love that hook, run baby run, run from the bad love. Um, I feel like that's just how these indie rock hooks are meant to be, uh, just to get stuck in your head until the end of time. Uh, it's a really perfect song, um, and like I said, you can really tell they were pulling from the 50s with this one, and absolutely love that. Uh, then we have Bop, which is a really cool song where Emily Kemp takes vocals. Uh, although it's not even two minutes long, there's so much going on musically that I've had to listen to this one in particular a few times to really wrap my head around what's going on here. We have this jangly, upbeat guitar, which sounds like classic Johnny Marr from the Smiths, and you can also hear the sound of older contemporaries, current joys, early stuff. Uh, and you also get this chorus, which is uh, just straight-up bubblegum 60s-type stuff. And... Uh, the band really knows how to make perfect usage of space in the song Clear, if that makes sense. Um, it sounds like it has just the right amount of instruments on it, and I love how Jason and Emily share vocal parts. Uh, Emily's belting especially adds a lot of cool drama to the track. It sounds like on Hold, uh, another favorite of mine, that Jason is using this weird Ween-style pitch-down vocal uh, effect. Unless that's drummer Eric McGrady singing, but I don't think so, because um, it, it definitely sounds pitched pitch down or something. Uh, but shout out to Eric McGrady because he's an awesome drummer and he does really perfect for this band. Anyway, I love this song a lot, uh, leaning heavily on the oldies influence again, but it's got this strange, kind of quirky quality to it that works really well. Uh, and then we have some great vocal interplay on Memories. Another track that sounds like a throwback. The electronic beat gives it this kind of robotic feel. Uh, the main verses especially. But I really love the chorus when that extra beat and jangly electric guitar come in. Um, that part is, you know, another part of their music I could almost hear in a commercial or something. Um, really reminds me of that Wet Leg album that I talked about last month. Um, and you get your album title, Blue Skies, from the lyrics in Window, uh, another track built to be a huge 2000-style commercial indie hit uh, with really fantastic drumming that pummels through the mix, and it's also got these shredding electric guitars um, with lyrics like, My young dove don't fly away, along with the bare kind of country-ish instrumental. Palomino is really short but effective for what it is. Dream On could be a Roy Orbison or Everly Brothers Big Bill standard track that we've all known for our entire lives. Um, I think this band is really good at taking simple lyrics and trading vocal parts uh, and singing opposite harmonies and, you know, making them into these candy-like melodies that 
like I've been saying over and over, just will not leave your head. Uh, Waterfall and Empty in My Mind are pretty standard at this point of the album, but they're not bad. Um, you know, just more of what you get anywhere else. Um, Country Again and even Rockabilly are flirted with on Stars. Jason does a little bit of this kind of stuttering and yelping that, I don't know, kind of reminds me of what you would hear on an old Cramps record. Um, it would be cool if they really focused on and tried to hone those two genres one day because I feel like that would make their best record. Um, you know, the oldies and kind of country feels on this album I feel like are the best moments. Um, and I love that we close with No Difference, which really fits this kind of nihilistic but optimistic feeling. Uh, I don't know if others have been feeling, but I definitely have. Um, kind of acknowledging that what's going to happen will happen, and yes, this is all we get, but it's best to take the risk and just enjoy it. And yeah, this is a really cool album. Um, I feel like it's, like I said, in the same universe as that Wet Leg album. And uh, while I don't like it as much, I still do um, think this is a band to watch. And I've got this sitting at a pretty strong 4 out of 5 for now. Um, I feel like there are a few tracks I could get a little bit more into. But there are some really killer songs on here that I think could end up on a Songs of the Year playlist down the line. And uh, yeah, that's Blue Skies by Dead, and right now, sitting at a 4 out of 5. Last pick for May, we've got Where the Heart Is by Sweet Pill. This is a band that I heard pitched as a mix of math rock, hardcore, and also Paramore. And while I don't quite hear the latter, uh, maybe a little bit at one point, uh, but for the most part, no. Um, I could still hear the 2000s emo influence all over this, um, and I think that's what that person was trying to say. Um, and it's a really awesome bridge between really complex guitar parts and accessible sing-along parts. Um, and I think it's cool to be able to, you know, appreciate the complexity that can come along with something like math rock, but you know, objectively, it will go down smoother if you do add a layer of catchiness and accessibility to it as well. And I'm really happy that this is what we get with this album. Uh, Where the Heart Is, the title track, is a really gorgeous kick-ass opener uh, coming in with this slick start-and-stop drum beat and introducing you to the gorgeous guitar riffing you're going to find all over this album. Uh, and then Zayna Youssef comes in with a very passionate, uh, dynamic vocal performance that scratches all of the itches that you could want for your emo feels. Uh, she sings about the simple subject of feeling lost and stuck inside your head during your daily routine, wanting to get out of your shell but not being able to. It's really powerful and relatable. Uh, then we have Blood as the second track, and it's got this beefy, larger-than-life mix of drums and chugging electric guitar. Uh, something that makes me think about the album's Daisy by Brand New or Everybody is Going to Heaven by Citizen. Uh, Zayna really goes all out with her vocals for this one. Um, she shows a little bit of what she can do with the first one, but you know, with this track, she screams singing in such a raw manner, and the band really compliments her, and I just... I just love how heavier it get, how much heavier it gets until it stops. 
Um, it's a perfect track that really shows what the band does best. Um, then we have twinkling harmonic guitar sounds that open up high hopes and these soaring melodic rhythm guitar chords come in and immediately set the intense emotion of the song. Uh, this one is a roller coaster and I love it for that. Uh, it was even described as that by Zayna herself. Uh, there are parts where she's angry and screaming her heart out and there's also parts where her voice is soft and almost cracking. She also said this one is about facing your anxiety head on and trying to be honest instead of lying to protect someone's feelings, um, which, you know, pretty common dilemma there. Um, but yeah, if the last track showed their perfection of voicing anger, this one is perfect at displaying the entire range of emotion from, you know, sadness to anger going back and forth between the two. And I, I just really love this song. Um, then we have Dog Song, which is exactly what you would expect it to be from this band. And it's still perfect for that. Um, it starts off with a cannon blast and maintain, uh, maintains that raw emotive energy just about the whole way through. Uh, all while comparing life being a blur and being stuck in the cycle to, you know, the age-old humorous idea of a dog chasing its tail. Uh, what makes this song for me, though, is the last 45 seconds or so, where everything lightens up and the electric guitars sound celestial and her voice gets really soft again. Uh, then we have Sucker Punch, which is a perfect angsty emo song about being in love or, you know, giving love one more shot. In the lyrics, she's viewing love as this painful, confusing thing, but she's also willing to open up just this one last time and... She can feel herself slipping into this web of feelings. There are these really fast math rock riffs in the verses, and then this awesome hardcore-style breakdown for the first chorus. Uh, it's one of those breakdowns that makes you do that face, like that one face that's in that meme of uh, Tony Collette and Hereditary. Um, I've seen a lot of memes with that face. You, you, you would know it if you saw it. Um, but uh, yeah... As the track goes along, it feels like there's more layers that get added in, and the second chorus takes this really cool, noisy turn. There's a whole lot going on at once, um, and everything just kind of climaxes until this really gorgeous solo acoustic guitar just leads the song out quietly. Um, I really love the play on words you get with the chorus on Sometimes. Uh, sometimes I'm waiting for the worst time to get hit with what feels like dynamite all the time. The track comes in with the most explosive overall performance from anybody on the whole record. I mean, the drums sound like they probably had blood on them. The guitars are absolutely ripping. And the vocals sound like they're about to break at any moment. And the slowed down ending feels like taking a long break after sprinting. Uh, the dynamics between slow and fast that this band chooses you know, aren't anything new, of course, but they still pull them off marvelously. Uh, and then you get the appropriate quiet follow-up song, Diamond Eyes, afterwards. Um, it's really cool to hear the softer side of this band. Hearing those gentle math rock type guitars in a more gentle setting makes you appreciate them even more, um, if you ask me. And uh, also the traded male and female vocals layered over top of each other in harmony is just gorgeous. Um, I will say that this one does remind me of that first Paramore record, All We Know Is Falling. Um, it 
does almost sound like it could be on that record. Still don't totally get the Paramore comparison, but, you know, I, I get I get what you were going for with that. Um, but yeah, I love this song. The heavy breakdown near the end is really cathartic, and I can imagine overall this song is a perfect soundtrack for a gloomy, cloudy, windy day, and it was kind of a cloudy, windy day when I, I was... Uh, you know, writing my notes for this and uh, listening to this album one last time. So maybe that's why I'm thinking of that. Um, the acoustic guitar into the electric on Fate shows how emotive this band can be with just their instruments. The string swelling up really tensely at the end is awesome. This is a great little interlude and that transition into those opening chords and that little riff of red string blows me away. Uh, the shouted refrain, I'm not what you want, throw back what you caught, what you want is long gone. Uh, I just think that says a lot with only a little. And uh, this is another one that I, I just love the guitar tone on this one. Uh, this might have my favorite tone on the whole record, to be honest. Uh, and then we have the closing track, Cut, which is just awesome. And I think it nicely puts a bow on the record, uh, spending its last moments on one of the most cathartic bursts of energy on the entire album. The way it just abruptly stops is incredible. And I really love the lyrics. Took a step outside myself, looked her in the eyes, and felt quite sorry for that sucker. But I know better than she'll ever. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this album. This was kind of a surprise and a bit of a last-minute inclusion. I wasn't really sure what my fifth pick for the month was going to be. Because uh, like I said, there I mean, there were a few albums that didn't make the cut that I could have chosen, but I just, I don't know, none of the ones I mentioned before, like, you know, like I said, there were a few fours, but none of them really felt like they had the spark that I ended up finding with this one. And honestly, this could potentially be a five at one point. For right now, I'm going to go with a 4.5 out of five, but it's an extremely strong one, and, you know, keep an eye out for my end-of-the-year list, because it might be a five at that point. Uh, I really dig this one. Um, definitely check it out if you want some good new emo music um, with some really cool riffs and guitar work and just some really amazing, passionate vocals. Um, really enjoyed this one. Uh, yeah, that Sweet Pill with Where the Heart Is. And that's going to have to do it for this monthly wrap-up. I hope you find something new that you enjoy out of this group of albums. doesn't have to be one of my five picks. If one of the albums I mentioned in the beginning piques your interest, then by all means, go check it out. Uh, you know, one of my favorite things to do is to turn people on to new music, and uh, if I can accomplish that even once, then, you know, I feel happy for that, and... Um, yeah, that's that's just one of my favorite things about life is just showing people music and being shown music myself. Um, music is a really powerful healing thing. And even when, you know, life is really hard and really chaotic, it's, you know, always the thing I run home to. Um, and I'm just really grateful to have it. And I'm really grateful for all of my listeners and all of my friends and all of the support. And, um, uh, 
Hope you'll turn in next week for the Tom Petty episode. I'm pretty excited about it. And like I said, I've pretty much finished my notes on it. So just got to record it here in the next few days and I'll be posting it uh, this coming Saturday. So be on the lookout and I will see you then.